Hi, I'm Gavin Giovannoni, Professor of Neurology at Bart's and London School of Medicine and Dentistry. And today I'm doing a MSLV podcast on nutraceuticals, trying to give you some background uh, behind the rationale for testing them in MS uh, and whether or not I would recommend prescribing them. I was at a meeting on the weekend uh, of people with multiple sclerosis and their families uh, to discuss uh, smoldering multiple sclerosis and some of our work we're doing around upper limb function and social uh, interventions. But during the presentation, I discussed the holistic management of MS and on my list of potential interventions was the term nutraceutical. <laughs> so this is a way of using... <coughs> nutrition in the same way we use pharmaceuticals or small molecule or drugs to treat multiple sclerosis. And the broad definition of a nutraceutical is to describe any product which is derived from food sources, which has potential extra health benefits over and above the basic nutritional value of the product. So in other words, using substances from nature as, as, as a therapeutic agent. Um, now, my problem with nutraceuticals is because they're not reimbursed by the healthcare system, they have to be paid for by individuals as consumer, consumer products. There isn't really the incentive to develop nutraceuticals and provide an evidence base. And they're also not regulated in the same way as pharmaceuticals. So there uh, is a problem with a evidence base. In other words, we can't generally recommend them for use in people with diseases like multiple sclerosis because we have no idea if they work. The saying this, though, there is an enormous market, and I've forgotten how many billions of dollars every year people spend out of their disposable incomes on uh, these unproven therapies, and MS is no exception to the rule. A large number of people with multiple sclerosis take nutraceuticals on a daily basis in the hope that it makes a difference to their outcome in the long term. Somebody actually asked me in the meeting, which nutraceuticals do I recommend? And to be honest with you, outside of vitamin D supplementation, which I recommend to everybody with MS to take as uh, a, a, a supplement for bone health, and potentially as a preventative strategy in their children and siblings or their extended family to prevent or lower the risk of them getting MS. I personally think uh, vitamin D supplements may uh, reduce the risk of getting MS. Uh, and so there is a rationale for keeping yourself vitamin D replete. And in our current environment, most of us are vitamin, vitamin D insufficient or deficient. Um, outside of that general advice of vitamin D, I don't recommend general nutraceutical supplementation. Uh, however, in individual subjects, I may recommend D-mannose. There's a product called Waterfall D-mannose that prevents biofilm or counteracts biofilms, which are these mats of bacteria in your bladder, typically occur in people with indwelling catheters or have to catheterize themselves or have bladder stones. Uh, and the biofilms prevent normal antibiotics working, and a drug called D-mannose helps break up the, uh, the biofilm. Um, there's evidence that it does work. Uh, and so some people find D-mano supplementation very helpful in urinary tract infection prevention. Also on that list is cranberry extract, not in the not the cranberry juice, but the tablets. Uh, however, the evidence base for that is very poor, and I don't think they make much difference to the incidence of urinary tract infections. 
Um, another strategy there that could be nutraceutical is alkalinization of the urine taking citric acid. So citric acid uh, makes the urine more alkaline and that's less favorable to biofilms as well. So I suppose that could also be considered a nutraceutical. Um, when it comes to constipation, we recommend lactulose, senna, psyllium husks, and a whole lot of different fiber supplements. These are all nutraceuticals because they come from food substances. And uh, they're kind of our first-line uh, strategy for managing MS-related constipation. And then occasionally we have people with restless leg syndrome where we will try iron supplements um, as a, uh, a nutraceutical to try and treat re uh, restless legs. I personally don't recommend multivitamin supplements. You know, if you are eating a balanced diet, you should get more than enough vitamins from your diet. And multivitamins are not without risk, uh, and they're expensive. So why spend money you don't have to spend money on? The exception is in, in patients that are vegans. Uh, as you know, uh, a vegan diet is an unbalanced diet. It's very difficult to get all your nutrition from a vegan diet. <laughs> and most vegans take uh, extra supplements, particularly vitamin B12, occasionally zinc, iron, selenium, iodine, calcium, and occasionally essential fatty acids, um, uh, omega-3, you know, for example, omega-3 fatty acids. And I've, I've got a link in the uh, email uh, and on the MSLV website to a previous blog post uh, addressing the issue around a vegan diet. From a scientific perspective, however, I'm very interested in short-chain fatty acids, uh, particularly ones that are antioxidants or ones that mimic ketosis, as they may be neuroprotective in MS. At least in animal models, they've shown to be of benefit. And the most exciting are alpha-lipoic acid and propionic and butyric acid. And there is preliminary data supporting alpha-lipoic acid as a neuroprotective agent in advanced or progressive MS. There has been a phase two study showing it uh, impact on brain volume loss and the uh, what I would call the smoldering aspect of multiple sclerosis. And actually, it's currently been investigated in United in the UK um, as part of the Octopus trials, one of the arms of the multi-armed uh, trial that the MS Society is supporting. And there's also an emerging evidence base, not only in MS, but other neurodegenerative diseases, that propionic and butyric acid, uh, not only anti-inflammatory, but they may promote remyelination and recovery of functions. So these are also been tested in studies, mainly in Germany, I also mentioned to the audience at the Chilton's MS Center this concept of biohacking. Uh, so biohacking um, is largely a US-based phenomenon, but it's now spreading to the rest of the world where individuals hack their own biology to optimize health and wellness as an anti-aging strategy. And biohackers use nutraceuticals, diet, exercise. They also use mindfulness, meditation, and pharmaceuticals to try and uh, manage their own health and wellness with the aim of delaying aging. And the most commonly used pharmaceutical in the biohacking community is metformin. And there's good evidence in MS and outside of MS that this reprograms your cells to counteract senescence or aging. And it, by doing that, it rejuvenates cells and promotes maintenance and recovery of function. And there's very good animal data for the potential use of metformin in MS. And this mainly comes from Robin Franklin's group in Cambridge, where they've shown that metformin mimics caloric restriction or fasting in animals, and it reprograms senescent oligodendrocyte precursors. These are the cells that are responsible for remyelination. And by reprogramming them, they, these older animals remyelinate and recover function in a very similar rate to young animals that are uh, on metformin. 
Uh, and so uh, this is going forward as a, cl a clinical trial in MS. It's very interesting that when I was at the last uh, European Schalke Foundation meeting, which is an MS meeting held in Bovino every year, Robin Franklin actually gave a very erudite platform presentation on their work using metformin as a rejuvenation therapy. Um, and he mainly showed results in animals uh, as well as cell culture. Uh, and when he actually asked the audience, which was mainly healthcare professionals, mainly MS neurologists, for a show of hands to see who was taking metformin as an anti-aging medication, I estimate that about 15 to 20% of the audience raised their hands. That's one in five of the neurologists in that audience were taking metformin. In other words, they were biohacking themselves uh, as an anti-aging strategy. <laughs> and I remember having dinner with one prominent Canadian MSologist who told me at dinner that he was going to go back to Canada and double his dose of metformin. Uh, he was on 500 milligrams twice daily, and he was going to increase the dose to 1,000 milligrams uh, twice daily. Um, which is, and he wasn't diabetic or pre-diabetic because that's what metformin is used for treating type 2 diabetes. He was taking it as an anti-aging strategy. And it was quite clear from the way Professor Franklin asked the question and spoke that he was also taking metformin as a, as a treatment. So when somebody then in the audience asked me if I would recommend and, uh, and would I prescribe metformin for my patient with MS, I had to say no, but it was a rather hesitant no because it's very difficult to be black and white in this issue. You know, how could I stop somebody from taking uh, metformin off-label when one in five MS experts and a large number of biohackers are using it as their core anti-aging strategy uh, with the evidence base showing that it rejuvenates uh, cells in general. Um, I personally don't take metformin. I would not recommend MS patients take metformin uh, unless they have another indica indication for it. In other words, they're pre-diabetic or diabetic. And if they want to take metformin, they should potentially volunteer for clinical trials. And that's important because one of the arms of the octopus trial is metformin. Um, there are three arms at the moment. One's a placebo, one is uh, alpha-lipoic acid, and the other one is uh, metformin. Um, Outside of the octopus trial, there is the uh, trial study running in Cambridge where they're combining it with clomastine to promote remyelination and recovery of function in people with multiple sclerosis. And I just did a search on the clinicaltrials.gov site, which is an international registry of trials run by the in the, in the US. And there were four other studies uh, ongoing or recruiting at the moment for testing metformin as a treatment in multiple sclerosis. So it's really, really hot news um, um, uh, regarding metformin. <clears throat> Please note that when I discuss nutraceuticals, it often overlaps with dietary advice. And somebody actually at the meeting on Saturday asked me about diets and which diets I recommend. And I personally don't recommend any of the so-called MS-specific diets. I personally think... Uh, Diets are difficult, and I, they probably have to be personalized, and it's horses for courses, what suits you. You know, of all the diets out there, the ones that appeal to me most from a scientific perspective are intermittent fasting and ketogenic diets. And there's a very good evidence base in animal studies that these are neuroprotective, and they actually are part of the biohacking uh, armamentarium to treat anti-aging mechanisms. And some of the metabolites that are produced as part of the by um, ketogenic diets, for example, and even intermittent fasting, you know, probably work uh, in a similar way to metformin uh, in the central nervous system to try and rejuvenate 
uh, uh, function in cells. Now, saying this, not everybody can do intermittent fasting, and a lot of people can't tolerate ketogenic diets. They're just antisocial, they're expensive, they're difficult to uh, stick to. And so don't get too perturbed if you can't do these diets. You know, it's just the, and, I, and the reason why I say it, it's a potential benefit. There are some preliminary studies showing that people who go on to intermittent fasting or a ketogenic diet actually have improvement in their symptoms. Um, but those trials are not definitive. They're just a rationale for trying these diets. So my personal opinion is give them a go. If they work for you, good. If they don't work for you, stop doing them. Um, you know, uh, And that's why um, I've recommended you go and read my MSL for newsletter from two years ago on which is the best MS diet. And I go through the rationale um, for these diets. And I also give my background diet philosophy um, about diet. It's not just about the nutrition you get from it, but it's also the social construct, uh, et cetera, that goes with eating. That is not, so diets are more than just nutrition. They're also about rituals, uh, family interactions, yeah, etc. So it's, so you've got to be very careful about uh, the consequences of going on these very strict antisocial diets because the impact may be much worse on your MS outcomes and the benefit you get from the diet. Anyway, read the um, <clears throat> um, uh, you may read the newsletter if you have any further questions uh, and ask uh, questions on the on the site. I can respond to them. I'd also be very interested to know what nutraceuticals you are taking and how you're getting along with them. Um, I'm, a, I'm aware already that a lot of my patients are already taking alpha-lipoic acid, and some of them are managing to get metformin online from these online pharmaceutical companies, which I suspect might make it very difficult for Octopus Trial to recruit and give a definitive answer. You know, if so many people are already taking these two nutraceuticals, well, one's a nutraceutical, one's a pharmaceutical, you know, how do you study these in 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 a, in a trial if the if the uh, MS community outside of the uh, healthcare system already hacking their uh, hacking their uh, biology and taking these two agents? Um, uh, the the other side of the coin is the octopus study may act as a catalyst and actually generate a new generation of biohackers, particularly those who are well informed and, and do a lot of reading online. Um, to, to take these anyway with, and not be in a trial and take the risk of being randomized to a, um, um, a placebo. And I suppose there is some uh, scientific rationale that these two agents may actually work better together than in individually. In other words, they synergize. So lipoic acid in combination with metformin may be much better than just the other agent uh, alone or the additive effects of the two agents. Anyway, we'll hopefully we'll get an answer to this once the uh, uh, octopus trial is fully recruited and reports out. Anyway, I've also put just two papers, one on the phase two trial of poic acid and a recent uh, study looking at propionic acid uh, in a German cohort of patients with multiple sclerosis, just showing you that the propionic uh, acid supplements have an impact as anti-inflammatory agents. Anyway, uh, let me know what you think, and I'm going to keep urging you. I'm, there's been a large drop-off in paying subscribers to MS Selfie, which makes me a little bit anxious. I do not want to go back to creating a two-tiered system to try and incentivize people to pay for MS Selfie. But if you can afford to be a paid subscriber and you think this 
the initiative is worthwhile, um, I would appreciate your support. Um, the MSLV microsite, which uh, is linked to the MSLV newsletter, is really coming along uh, well. And a lot of patients have fed back to me that they like it very, very much. And to actually make that a useful ongoing resource, I need to continue to uh, support the two people that are, are doing all the writing and maintaining that site. I don't have the bandwidth and, uh, to do it myself. I've just got too many other activities. Uh, and even doing MSL for newsletters is uh, a big time commitment from my side. But transferring this uh, information to the microsite is a, a, a one task too many for me. So your support is much appreciated. And I'd just like to thank all of those who are already subscribing. Thank you very, very much.